It's 8 a.m. It's 8 a.m. Good morning. What's up? This is Joe. What's up? This is Jordan. It's the 8 a.m. shift. We're here. We are. All right, man. What's up? Um, I guess we've been planning for this for a little while now. Yeah, not, a, not a long time, but maybe like a week, which is good uh, Good for us. Let's I be think. honest. We don't plan anything. <laughs> Everything is off the cuff. Yeah. Always. Always. So what have we been planning? <laughs> um, well, we wanted to talk about Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Um, we also watched the second Venom trailer, which surprisingly didn't make that whole round of San Diego Comic-Con yeah, trailers. they. It was either like they knew they were gonna get their asses handed to them by like those other trailers, right? Or right. I don't know, maybe they just wanted they didn't want to get caught up in all that hoopla because you know, like sometimes your trailer gets lost. Yeah, in the that's mix. true. So uh, yeah, it came out like what a week or so yeah. later. I mean, when um, you're going up against Titans and <laughs> Shazam, well, Shazam was a good trailer. Yeah, Titans uh, was a little bit questionable. Titans. Titan sucked, man. I'm not even <laughs> dance around it. I thought that trailer sucked. Yeah, but um, yeah. Now um, the new Venom trailer was a little weak, man. Like I wasn't a huge fan of the teaser, but the more I'm seeing Venom in these trailers, like the more I'm starting to think this thing's gonna be like a huge turd, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. it, it's reminding me a lot of Spawn. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and you, you know, you and know how I feel about that Spawn. Yeah, dude. I know you love Spawn. Um, <laughs> Joe's like, shut the fuck up, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you be quiet. Um, dude, the first off, so the first time I saw the trailer, which I told you, I actually saw it without sound. It was like I was somewhere where like I couldn't, put on the audio so I just like let it play on Facebook you know how like it'll play right, on Facebook right, right. the audio and I was like wow this looks like shit but then I was like you know what let me like reserve judgment here wait till I I listen to it with the audio it was even worse man like the Venom voice is awful like what does that like computer generated like kind of over modulated like voice that they're giving yeah I, I know so what you're talking I know bad, what you're talking about dude like if they just either had Tom Hardy like do you know he's great at doing voices right uh if they had him just do a different voice or had someone else come in to like do the voice I would appreciate that more it would give like more character to it but instead it's that just like well, like over modulate dude I'm well, not gonna lie I had to rewind a few times because I couldn't understand what he was saying half the time. you know it's funny um in the actual comic book it's sort of subtly implied that the voice is actually more like a screechy like hey we are the, we are together we're right, the symbiote right, right. we're one right um but listening to it in the actual trailer it's more like hmm, we are together like it's very yeah, like it's, it's, it's also, almost like uh, I don't know how to describe it I think of like Optimus Prime but like on like a nefarious Optimus Prime there's like speaking an, to yourself they're in your head. using effects on it yeah to like just make it I don't know if it like give it this like slithery kind of like I don't know what, but it just sounds bad. And like I said, like part of me was having like issues understanding what he was saying. There was a point where he's like the arms, the legs, the whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. And I was like, what? I was like, I had to rewind. I was like, what the hell is he talking about in the scene? Yeah, the, it, yeah. There's just yeah, the scene that in question that Joe is talking about. He's like sizing someone up, and the thing with the symbiote was that. 
the symbiote was very like cannibalistic. Right. But it's almost like the symbiote launches into this like Shakespearean like monologue about right. about like taking someone apart piece by piece and eating them. And for some reason, that's not what I envisioned or got out of the comic book as much. Yeah, it's in. It's just the, not really playing on the screen. Man. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. know. Yo, no, that's true. I mean, that's something that I think kind of gets lost with a lot of comic book right. movies. That there are some characters who they're absolutely fan favorite, fantastic in the book, right? But translating them to screen, if not done in a particular lens or not done in a particular way can kind of hurt the character a lot. Well, I think this is a perfect example of the downfalls of fan service, right? Because oh, yeah. instead of going, well, you know this doesn't work, uh, cinematically this just doesn't work, they go, no, we have to put it in because the fans are going to want to see it. But it, it it looks bad, it sounds bad. Like, if it's bad, take it out. Like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, uh, the, for the few fanboys that are going to, like, be upset about it and, like, send you a mean tweet... I think you can ha- take that over like a really bad movie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like fan service to me, if it's gonna if it's gonna hurt the film, the quality of the film and the quality of the product and the story that you're trying to tell, take it out, man. Like yeah. I'm sorry. Like people will get over it. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, screw them. Yeah. I mean, also one thing that I I kind of felt really weird about was um the the actual physics of the symbiote. Right. suit in it like i i think it looks bad it's like yeah it's like they don't similar to the spawn costume but yeah then just like you know. the thing with the spawn costume was that it was actually like a molded co- like it was like they're actually like a pra- it was practically creative it was actual costume, no it was right? it was a practical costume whereas yeah. this is all cgi yeah. but i'm talking more about like you know the yeah, cg know elements the, yeah, to the, the CG elements, costume yeah. it kind of has that feel you know <laughs> which at the time when the spawn movie came out that scene where he comes down from the uh, into like the ballroom and whatnot with the red cape was actually considered a pretty like. Advanced. Yeah, no, everybody was like, "Whoa!" Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. That, now you're like, "Man, too bad he was man, coming that, down that, to, <laughs> to meet Martin Sheen in yeah. that goatee." <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, because <laughs> you pictured it. That's why it's funny. It's funny because like a, I think like a year before, around the same time, he was uh, he had that cameo at the end of Dead President, <laughs> right? Which is which he's great at. He's there, and he's like, uh, Vietnam is in a war. I fought in World War Two. That was a war. Right. Some, something yeah, like that. No, That's we, pro- totally not the line. I'm like very much. Which I don't know if people. I don't know how people thought at the time was like somewhat of a nod to Apocalypse. Now, in my mind, I felt. Of course, oh, of course, the fact that they had him in there, <laughs> Martin Sheen delivering that line is definitely a nod to Apocalypse yeah. Now. But and, uh, I, I just remember like being Lawrence like Lawrence Fishburne made the right choice in being in Matrix. <laughs> We're totally going off on like a film nerd. Yeah, right it's now. all right. We can do it. <laughs> it's our podcast. <laughs> okay. uh, so yeah, the Venom trailer. Yeah, like you said, I, I think that the lack of practical costume in it kind of hurts right. it in a lot of ways. Because there's even parts where like the the symbiote's like taking over him, and I'm kind of like, man, just make this a claymation movie. Yeah, that would be great, man. Like, there's a part of me that's just like, like. You know, he's, like, kind of fighting it, but right. there's never really, like, a moment where he's, like, crawling out of the suit. Right. There's never really, like, um, it also never feels like he's one with the suit. Like, I, I always felt weird that the, um, that the suit in the, in the book was, because he was a jock. Like, Eddie Brock right, was yeah. a jock who became a journalist, which is a very strange career path, if you ask me. <laughs> um, but the suit kind of, like, enhanced, like, his actual muscles and right. his strength. So he's already, like, a jack dude that looks more jacked in this suit. Right. In this, it's like he's a completely different, like, 
person altogether inside. Like, yeah, he, yeah, like yeah. the suit's like a person on top of a person. Right. And that, that's what kind of like makes it weird because then you realize that there's going to be other symbiotes in the movie. Right. And then that means that's, that the same is going to happen for all those characters as well, well. This is another reason why. So, like, you know, they're trying to do these films now where they're, like, doing these solo films with, but with, like, the villains, right? So you got the Joker movie coming. Now we have this Venom. Venom is a villain in the Marvel cinema, in the Marvel world, right? Venom right, is right. A villain. So the problem is, is, like, like you're saying, in the comic books, the suit, the symbiote suit, just enhances like these feelings he kind of already had right right but in this because the, he's the lead of the movie and it, you know just the way movies are structured you have to have a good guy and a bad guy an antagonist or a protagonist and an antagonist so it's like he has to be almost set up as the good guy first right so now it's like like you said it's more of a person on a person like the suit is taking over his mind and, and instead of like enhancing these feelings he already had it, it seems almost like he was a good guy and the suit's changing him right right, right. when that wasn't necessarily the case right, right? right. so again right there i'm like you're worried about fan service but with the stupid lines that venom's saying you know the the, the mouth the arms the whatever but you're not worried about like completely changing the eddie brock character Right. So I I I, I kind of don't understand where they're going with it. And also you were you were like I love Riz Ahmed, but I'm also kind of like what's he doing in this movie? Like what are they going to do with him? Like are they just I feel like he's going to be like a throwaway, dude. Like cuz he's going to be like he's going to be the villain, but I I feel like it's just going to be like another weak villain that they don't develop. And I'm like you got a great actor that you can like really give like some meaty role to. Yeah, the and instead the, they're just yeah. gonna like throw it away. He's gonna be like, you know, a uh, kind of a comical, like over the top. Like I have this like plot to, you know. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a Lex Luthor element to him that's. A yeah, little, and uh, I'm just it, I don't get it, man. And then you were also you were talking to me yesterday about like the potential carnage element to the whole thing. Yeah, like it's been rumored that Woody Harrelson is supposed to be in this, and that he might be. Was it uh, Cletus Cassidy, right. aka Carnage? And if you're not familiar, Carnage is another uh, villain in the uh, Marvel uh, universe that uh, is like controlled by a symbiote suit, or like a, right. has a, is one with a. Symbiote. And you know, like now I'm like maybe there might be too many characters in this, and on top of that, you have a lot of talent. <laughs> but yeah. that's what I say. So like, if you have Carnage, right? Like, let's say Carnage pops up. We don't know yet. We haven't seen anything. But then you have Riz Ahmed. So like. Uh, Again, it's too many things. And then, like I said, you have this great actor, Rizamed, who you're going to kind of cast to the side as just this over-the-top, like, kind of corny villain. When I want to see them do, like, what we got with a Thanos or what we got with a Killmonger, right? Where you build and develop these villains. And I feel like that's just not going to happen with this, man. It's just another wasted role that you're giving to a good actor, man. Yeah, yeah. I guess onto a more optimistic topic... We both watched Sorry to Bother You yep. not too long ago. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I feel like you came out like really, really kind of loving it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like it was a type of movie that I needed at the moment. Right. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I told you I had a bit of an experience during it that kind of like took me out, out of it for like 10 or 15 minutes with people talking in the movie theater. It drives me nuts. And I had to like shut them up. But... Um, yeah, no, I thought 
it was super creative, right? Which was one one thing like when it comes to cinema, you want to see people just like taking chances and like right, right. Sometimes just going a little nuts, and this film definitely goes nuts. But um, it's a film that had, like has something to say, but also knew it needed to like entertain you, and it, right. it, you know, and it. <laughs> I kind of with uh, Boots Riley, the director. I think he knew like the film being like going where it goes. Like I'm trying not to ruin it here because there's like, right, sort right. of a big surprise at the end, and uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. I think at this stage in the game, because I still kind of want people to see it. Right, but right. the film goes kind of crazy towards the end. So I think he, the way he approached the film, where it like slowly just gets a little bit crazier and a little bit crazier right, and a little right. bit crazier was a very clever way to sort of take his audience where he needed them to be right before uh, the film just goes completely nuts. Because I had, like, let's say the film had been very straight the whole time and then that ending came. Yeah. People were like, what? So instead he really, like, parsed it out, right? It was like, yeah. we're getting a little bit crazy, we're getting a little bit crazy. Right, right. We're get- and I thought it was a very clever... Just story structure. I thought it was clever, like how he parsed that stuff out, and I mean, it just you get amazing, like great performances. Tessa Thompson is so good in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Army Hammer, man, <laughs> Army Hammer. He's you know he's he, very small role in it, but man, he chews up the scenery. When he's yeah, I know. In there. yeah, I know. I think. Um, so first of all, I think the color palette in the art direction it in it were really fantastic oh yeah yeah he uh just visually it's not like it's funny because it's like in terms of like cinematography it's not like this like breathtaking cinematography right 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 but instead it's just visually interesting from set design standpoint right right you know and i appreciate that as well i also love which i told you earlier um right after you, you had seen it he had the 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 editing and his transitions between scenes or even within scenes, like, uh, you know, during phone calls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very clever and very almost Edgar Wright-esque. Right. And, but I really, really appreciated that. And you could tell he, one, he knew what he wanted to do, but he was also, like, influenced by guys like an Edgar Wright or something who have these kind of, these smooth but kind of, like, crazy transitions. And actually, in something like your your new favorite movie, Scott Pilgrim, you see a lot of right, very right. similar transitions absolutely, to, absolutely. like, in, in what Boots Riley does in, um, in Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, and I think what was um, significant, too, um, I feel like a lot of directors, especially directors, like, who are POCs, right. They usually don't get opportunities to do movies like that or even, like, um, spearhead movies in that type of direction. Right. And I was really, um, I think it was really, like, a plus that they allowed him or, or were able to get behind his vision of what right. he was trying to do. Um, you know, like I said about, like, like I said about Get Out, like, a movie like that, if it had come out in, like, 2005, it probably would have been a straight-to-DVD with Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, You know, leading it. And... Be clear if this if um, sorry to bother you would come out in like 2013, you know, it'd probably be the very similar thing with oh yeah, you know, and I guarantee you like those transitions or that type of editing or even like um, the type of star power. I mean, I think there's a lot of star power in it like now just because like right. um, kind of this resurgence of uh, great black cinema is like definitely like upon us. Right. 
Um, so you're getting a lot of these. I mean, the casting was fantastic. Well, Lakeith mean, Stanfield, like from yeah. Atlanta fame, being the lead in it, like, right. I, that thought was great. Because one, he's just such an interesting character in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So like to see him come out and like kind of lead a vehicle is great. Right. Um, like you know, vehicle of his own. But um, one of the it was so like. I, we we spoke with somebody like right after you saw it, uh, somebody in our office who had mentioned that they were like hyped to see it. And then when they saw it, they were like expecting more. Right. They were expecting the film to say more because they felt like the film kind of said stuff we already know about like society and where we are today. Right. Right. And right. how like uh, African-Americans view their place in society. Right. 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 Uh, but I. I remember in that conversation saying, but one of the reasons that what I love about the film is that even though they're saying, oh, stuff we should know, there's a lot of parts of this country that don't understand that. So the fact that this film is so over the top and in your face, but making a point that say you and I know, maybe it finally comes across. Like if somebody sees this who, you know, who hasn't been getting it, say somebody in like, you know, middle America where they don't understand that you know african americans are being marginalized in this country that they see something like this and it, it can dawn on them like oh you know like <laughs> it's so bad and i want to like talk about the ending of a movie well, so badly uh, well, well i think i'll give you one example is um even the um what was it the uh code switching right which right. i thought when you go into the movie you start it's billed as a movie you think it's a movie it's satire about code switching right right and it goes much, much deeper than that. Right. You know, um, and it also becomes emblematic of like what happens when you code switch and start like climbing uh, the corporate ladder and in some ways like kind of becoming one with the ivory tower. Right, right. This film really like is an over the top depiction of sort of like people sort of having to sell themselves to like climb up the ladder, sell themselves to like, you know, change the life that they've kind of been forced into because societies that kind of like, you know funneled them in that direction and but it's like a very over the top look at this right Right. and like how this could happen to people and but like I said I think we're at a point where like we need that because a lot of people are blind to it or choosing to be blind to it so a film like this I think may you know a lot of people aren't going to necessarily see it in theaters but when it pops up on a Netflix or on cable and people may be like oh let me check this movie out I heard a little something about it maybe it's going to speak to them right I think um, what like your uh, the person you're referring to that made that comment. I think in some ways they're asking for more of like a like a solution coming out of this movie, right? And in all fairness, it's I don't I don't necessarily fault the movie for not having one. I think there's kind of this expectation sometimes from because from, there nobody has a solution. No, no, no one has a solution. And also, if you look at uh, Boots Riley, his history, right. You know, he's an MC part of like that was part of a like a radical hip hop group called the Coup, right? right? Who, if you do the history, they I, I think like a year before um, 9/11 happened, they had put out like an album. They initially had album art that was to have like the World Trade Center being blown up, right? right. And they ended up being on like the FBI's list, right? Because right, of right. because of that. So the thing is, is that you know he he's like a I don't know if he, I don't know I'm not exactly sure if he's like a socialist communist or whatever however he identifies as right. politically but be clear like like guys in that bracket as much as like you know as great as a director as he is for this particular type of film right. they usually don't offer solutions because like they're you know they're they're producing stuff that tends to um 
you know, go against the grain, right? right. I mean, the, the solutions are really like, um, you know, up to like the, the viewers who kind of take kind of take the take the, the, the art. I in. think that's the point, right? Like nobody has a solution, right? Because right. if there was a solution, the problem would be fixed. Right. So what I'm saying is, is maybe what leads to the solution is putting out material that can speak to people and open people's right. eyes to a problem, right? right. So when we're talking about our friend who made these comments, right? Like he's, uh, I'm going to use the word I hate. He's already woke, right? So he's going to see a movie. Vomiting <laughs> in my motherfucking mouth, Joe. So he's, he's going to. Damn, s- I did not expect you to use that word. There we go. Fuck up my morning. Yeah. Why don't you- <laughs> That's what I'm here to do, Jordan. Uh, I'm not satisfied till your morning's been ruined. Uh, so what I'm saying is, is he'll see a movie like this and go like, I want an answer because he's like, I know everything else. But there are people out there that don't understand it, you know? So maybe how we get to that answer is opening more people's eyes. He, well, most movies, they tend to rely on on these references, like these kind of references or some type of poetic justice, if you will, right. to kind of uh, illustrate a problem. He's very in your face about it. Like right. he's unfiltered. Like there's zero. Like there's no. There's no. This is like even the humor that they use. Right. There's no hidden messages. There's no hidden here, messages right? in it. Like it's exactly. It's right. anti-capitalist. It's not like right. it's not. It's not pro-socialist. No. No. Right. I think. I think our friend was looking for a pro-socialist <laughs> exactly. answer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's anti-capitalist. Right. right. Um, now, what that looks like for other people and how you interpret that, right. you know, is on them. But you know, like I kind of came out of it thinking about the problems that never really get addressed either you know right. like rather than say like, uh, like you know the, the the movie isn't about like universal basic income right? right but there is an element of it about like you know like consumption and food consumption right? Right. like you know like why people sign up for that uh that that program that army hammer is uh his character <laughs> yeah. what's the guy's name is steve steve lift that's his name yeah. is steve lift right um <laughs> uh like his social experiment where people are basically um in like, these like co- like uh, communes where they have to work all the time. Right, right? they're and, like indebted to him. Right, and, and they talk about how but great, they like sign themselves. They up sign those up, and yeah. they talk about how great the food is. Right, right. And so I, I take away from something like that, like you know, maybe universal basic basic income may not be realistic. But what hap- What about you know universal basic food? Right. You know, like like EB, EBT is only for you know people that can are at are supposedly like at the absolute bottom, and you know, right. like, you know, if you can, if you can, if you can qualify for public housing. And, and and other forms of social services, then EBT goes along with it, right? Right. But, you know, if you think about how much food that we produce in this country that usually goes to waste anyways. Of course. Like, why don't we encourage more spending if we gave people, like, hey, a voucher that says you get to spend, like, 100 bucks a month, right? right and then right. after that, if you go over, that's on you to pay more, to right? handle, yeah. You yeah. know, so then, like, the grocery stores benefit from it. The people benefit from it. Right. You know, like, like, what's the problem with that? You know, win win. Uh, uh, Jordan, are you coming up with solutions here on the eight AM shift? I don't like it one bit. <laughs> Joe's like the awakening continues. The awakening continues. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> people need to understand. Yeah, but you know, it's, you know, it's some funny. people understand a little too I, much. I don't think she's gonna. Have a, I don't think she's gonna have a problem with me mentioning this, but Chloe from Things I Learned in Therapy podcast, who right. we had on the Wild Wild Country episode, right. came up to me the other day and was just like, I listened to the episode. We heard about your ahem, awakening. She's <laughs> like, I think, I think we're rubbing off on you. Uh-oh. <laughs> they got us. <laughs> All right. I know. Um, anyway, uh, I think, like I said, it's 
the film is just something that's it one I just appreciated being different right it came out absolutely it's there's nothing like it I haven't seen a film like it before and even though I don't think it's a masterpiece I was thoroughly entertained I was you know informed and you know he he showed a lot of creativity as a filmmaker man like i said yeah. like i said for me just from a filmmaking standpoint what he did with set design and what he did with yep. uh editing transition stuff like that i was like wow i'm excited to see yeah. what boots riley's got coming next so on that note let's uh hear what other people had to say about sorry to bother you What's going on, everybody? My name is Christopher Lee, and this is my take on Sorry to Bother You. I thought it was a very well-written, very well-shot, and very well-pieced-together film. For anybody who hasn't seen it, um, Harry Potter dies at the end. Nah, but uh, one thing that stood out to me was the fact that even though the film was shot in a way that was sort of surrealist and uh, was almost... It had this artfulness to it that we don't often see in any film. I like that there were messages that were very clear, yet not uh, they weren't heavy-handed at all. And uh, it, it asks a lot of questions that I tend to chew on uh, in my personal life and that I have conversations with people about. And uh, the main question is, how do we contend with a system that is so prevalent and is so rigid and places these value systems on things in such a way that is pervasive from the day that we uh, exit the womb to the day that we enter the tomb, so to speak. Uh, one of my favorite scenes that talks about this is when um, Lakeith's character, Cassius, is talking to Danny Glover's character. I believe his name is Langston. And so uh, when Cassius first starts out at the telemarketing firm, he, he's not really good. He um, He's sticking to the script that he's been giving. He's reciting a pitch and he's not making a lot of sales and he's not closing too many calls. And so uh, Danny Glover overhears, or excuse me, Langston overhears Cassius and starts to laugh at him and he, he wonders why uh, Langston is laughing. And so then he tells him, if you want to be successful, you have to use your white voice. And, uh, you know, they go into this conversation about what it means to use the white voice. And what was so brilliant to me about this is that it isn't just physically changing your voice or altering what you sound like and uh, speaking from a, a nasally sort of place, but it speaks to a mentality. And that is something that I really liked that. In fact, that might be what I like most about this movie. Uh, not just the scene, but this concept of the white voice not just being something that sounds different, but it comes from a different place, a different mentality. The entire essence of the white voice isn't underpinned simply by how it sounds. It is where it is coming from, which is coming from a place of privilege, of carefreeness, of not having a worry in the world, and that being projected and transmuted and infused into the way that the person is speaking. And I thought that that was genius. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Karen Sepulveda. 
I am an actor and comedian. Man, I love this movie so much and I hate it so much. <laughs> it's funny because you know, love and hate, there's such a fine line between that. But the reasons why I love this movie so much is because it talks about a global phenomenon that no one wants to acknowledge. Or maybe white people don't want to acknowledge. Code switching. People of color have to constantly code switch in white spaces. And it's very unfortunate, but it's very true. And this movie was the perfect example of that. It showed exactly what happens when a person of color code switches and makes their voice sound a little bit more white just so the people around him are more comfortable and just so the customers he's speaking to, his clients are more comfortable and willing to talk to him. It's insane, to be honest. And I remember having to do the same thing once I started entering uh, high school, when I was in my sophomore and junior year of high school. And I was just like, this is so weird and insane that I have to try to speak in a different inflection just so people don't think that I'm stupid or ratchet or ghetto or all of these, you know, unfavorable terms that they place onto people of color just because we like to speak a little more relaxed from time to time. I mean, even the voice that I'm putting on right now is pretty much like, my standard neutral, but I could boost it up for some white folks and I could bring it down for some POCs. It's just like, I wish there was a world where you didn't have to do that, but the reality is that we do. And can we talk about Tessa Thompson's character, Detroit? This was, as my friend Tiara Francis puts it, a black girl version of a manic pixie. If you ever seen a manic pixie in a movie, a manic pixie is a girl who's cute and aloof. She's just like really cool because she's not totally cemented into whatever drama is going on, but she's cool, she has an opinion, she doesn't really contribute much and she doesn't have a fully like a fully formed character. She's not a fully formed character. She's just along for the ride. And that's what Detroit is in this movie. And I'm sorry to say it because I love Tessa Thompson and I think she does an amazing job with this film, but there was just something missing about her character. And also the subplot of having her get with Squeeze was just so unnecessary. It was just unnecessary and frankly insulting just because it makes it seem like a woman of color is only gonna be by your side if you're the one in charge, and that's not the case. We're not opportunists, you know, like. I think Sorry to Bother You was dope because, well, first of all, it's like super original and there's not a lot of original ideas happening now. So I thought it was really cool to see something that was like completely just just an original story and an original idea and uh and you definitely walk into that movie not knowing what to expect and you shouldn't because you're not going to know what to expect even watching the movie so that was dope also i just uh i, I really love seeing 
this new wave of different original stories or different original ways of um, exploring the black experience that we haven't had an opportunity to have before because up until recently we've you know we've had black rep- representation but it's always been to some in some way shape or form like whitewashed or like translated like you look at the, you know the old school shows like I don't know living single or Martin those are great and those shows are hilarious and they definitely were like there was definitely was a great moment in blackness in the early 90s but you know it was network TV and you know they they're 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 up up in the chain there were definitely some white executives who were you know had some kind of say in what the shows would be and it was more like it was like a black show that everybody could watch like white people can love Martin if they want to um everything got so those were our uh, friends slash calling <laughs> guests, if you will, that seem to have a lot to say about. Those Sorry, were our body. experts, Jordan. Uh, you're right, our experts, um, <laughs> which include uh, Chris Lee, who's a DJ, part of uh, Gold Vibes Only. Mm-hmm. You can follow him, gvo.fm, on Instagram. Uh, that was also Karen, who you may have remembered from our episode about Rick and Morty and you know, growing up in the Bronx, she um, is currently doing this like 23 day challenge in August that involves her going to like Staten Island and uh, uh, pro-life rallies. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Follow, follow Karen Zapovita. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Um, and Atom, Atom, the guy that gave us the uh, new intro music. Uh, Atom's the man, though. He's been hooking us up with music. Now he's recording for us. Yeah. You know, we, should, we should just get him to do the podcast. Yeah. We'll we be should, like, we should. Atom, <laughs> if you're listening to this, wake your ass up early, come down to Brooklyn and record with us. There you go. He's probably um, sleeping. But yeah, uh, I mean, but yeah, Karen clearly had a lot to say about it. She's not actually going to pro life rallies or. But she is going to Staten Island as part of this 23-day challenge, though. Right. So uh, check her out if you can. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she, uh, one, she was hysterical on uh, <laughs> the Rick and Morty episode, but she was great here. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you, everybody. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a dope movie. I think. Yeah, I, I hope that, you know, like, if, you know, any listeners are listening <laughs> uh and you ha- if you haven't seen the film please get out there and check it out and support it because uh movies like sorry to bother you you know need need viewers they need people to they need patrons they need people to go and pay and support so that other movies like it can be made yeah so. the movie pass is currently tanking so <laughs> you know they you know we, we, oh, you have man. to go back to like the old-fashioned method of that, going on fandango that's breaking my heart they just changed the model again which is crazy it's funny if so a friend of mine put up the uh uh, like a the first like paragraph from the new email they sent about <laughs> about the, the model changing and then just put like hashtag signs of the end and I was like it killed me man it's brutal yeah it, this that's a that's an interesting thing just because in most tech companies right. um, admitting to failure is like really difficult right. I think most companies I are, mean they're not admitting to anything they're just like we're still gonna be around but you know we gotta change I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> change is a part of it <laughs> uh, they're not like oh we messed up <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you right, know? Right. They're, they're not like you know we're not quite blockbuster yet <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But you want to know what there's, uh, I think you posted on our Facebook page and it's true. Like they're going to die so that like other, 
services that kind of, you know, not, you know, copy their model, but not copy per se, but like that other services that were spawned basically from like what they did will go on. You know what I'm saying? So right. they got the ball rolling. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't fault them for it. I think there's a lot right. of, um, I loved it while it lasted, man. I, I, I'm one of the people that led to their downfall because I was seeing movies all the time with my movie pass. Well, I mean, hey, like, look, look, like, the the, the trick is really, I think for a lot of people fault, like, you the first company. They're always like, oh, you never want to be the first company. But it's like, you know, like, sometimes, like, for, for people to succeed, you have to either, you either become the first to do it and you just know how to make those, like, pivots left and right in order right. to, like, succeed. Or you, you know fail at it and then you get something out of it and for eventually like something better will come up will come along like i don't I'm i thought not, you're gonna roll into a dark night quote no no no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I like i look at movie pass and i'm like the ceo is gonna be okay like he's right you know what i mean yeah. like you know you know in the eight, 80s 90s when steve jobs lost control of apple right you know he eventually became uh one of the people he i think he bought pixar or he was a part yeah, of yeah, technology yeah. That, that so you know guys like him are gonna be okay you know, I just am curious to know um, what becomes the uh, the the king of that of that particular. Right. I think what you're going to see is that you're going to see a lot of like AMC put out their own like service similar to MoviePass, right? Uh, Draft House has one in the pipeline, stuff like that. So you're going to see it come from the individual theaters, but I think it eventually leads to some of these theaters grouping together right. and like doing a service that yeah, sort of no, encompasses I, like say three chains. I, I agree. I actually think that, um, and I, I posited this some years back, that I think if there's any company that's equipped to do it, right, it's going to be like an Amazon, to be honest. Yeah, it's true. You know, Fandango, like, yes, um, at the same time, like Fandango, they, they I put it like this with Fandango. If they wanted to do it, they would have already like started. Yeah, that, I kind of like, feel inter- the same way. Yeah. Like with Amazon in particular, like you're talking about the company that owns IMDb, right? Puts out their own content. Like they could have, they could have already done what MoviePass has been right. trying to do without. To be honest, they probably saw like you know when Movie Pass came out and was like you know hit the scene with the ten dollar rate yeah. and started blowing up and getting people to go. They were probably like, oh shit, like we need to hop on this. But then they were like, that's gonna fail. Let's watch it fail, and then we'll come with our right, own. Thing. Right. And you got to think for a second too. Like even um, if you so Audible, which is another one of their companies, right, right. is a separate service. Like it's actually not bundled into Prime. Right. Yeah. Right? And for for a period of time, when I was attempting to. Listen to more audiobooks. Right. I was paying that fifteen dollars a month, and you get one free audiobook a right, month. Yeah, right? Yeah. If you're telling me that Amazon still needs to charge you fifteen dollars, which is five dollars more than like a movie, which you right. know, obviously, like there's much more in terms of the supply chain for you know getting a movie on a screen in say like you know an AMC theater. Right. I just didn't think I just didn't understand the actual logistics of how MoviePass was going to monetize. So that's why I say like I think Amazon of all the companies is probably the most equipped to do that. Right. And to be perfectly fair, if you're telling me that I'm going to get, you know, bonus points for, you know, seeing more movies or I'm paying Amazon $15 a month. Right. Or even $20 a month to get like one free movie a month, maybe two free maybe two movies a month. Right. And if I want to, like, watch more movies, too, I could pay, like, incremental amounts more. Which is kind of what MoviePass is doing. Yeah, now. yeah. Uh, to be honest, I read the the last email they sent, and um, it's still worthwhile right now, at least for me, right? Yeah. Uh, and 
I mean, I don't know if this is going to save them. It's probably not. I think they're in the tailspin now. But, I mean, they're definitely in the tailspin. Can they pull the lever and bring themselves up yeah. is the question. Uh, we'll see. They, they got rid of some of the stuff that was, like, pissing people off, which is, like, the having to take a photo of your ticket and prove that you've got the ticket and uh, <laughs> the uh, peak pricing that they brought right, in. The surge pricing. Right. right. That got They got rid of that. Right. Uh, but now they're going to like restrict you to the three movies. And if you want to do anything beyond that, you, you, you pay for it, but you may get like five bucks off, which is again, not bad, you know, since it's like 15, $16 a ticket. And I think they're going to allow you to now, like, you know how like a week or so ago when they were like, you can't see new movies anymore. And everybody was like, well then what's the point? Right. Uh, they got rid. They got rid of that too. Yeah. So, um, so I guess the moral of all this is that maybe Boots Riley has a point about capitalism. <laughs> hey, listen. Um, if it, if I can see more movies, <laughs> I'm exactly, <winning>. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm gonna. St- I, I was that I, we posted on the uh, 8 a.m. shift the birth of a movie's death article that was basically like, you know, we're gonna sink with the ship and <laughs> yeah, uh, with yeah. the movie. I'm gonna sink with the movie past ship unless it becomes where it just you know, in terms of like just what I'm paying just doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, right, right. You know, I'm down with it, man. Because like in the end, even right now, three movies is still cheaper to pay the 10 bucks yep. to get three free movies because it's 15 16 dollars a ticket right, so, right um you know all the best movie pass you yeah. want to hook us up with some ads before you uh drown <laughs> anyway anyways so yeah uh thanks for tuning in yeah that's uh, another one in the bag um thanks to our uh, guest again for uh yeah. sending us uh some audio about uh sorry to bother you and um I think that's it. Shift is out. Shift is out. Peace. Peace. Ha, 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 ha.